Arnett Dumer, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. What do we mean when we talk about leadership development in business schools? It must very much be needed now as economies enter this global recession. Um, in our MBA programs, we always have uh, tried to uh, offer an opportunity for our students to get some leadership development. We believe that um, uh, our graduates uh, will take up uh, important positions in industry or in government or in uh, non- the non-profit sector and will give actually leaderships to, leadership to teams of people uh, in these organizations. And we try to um, help them to develop their own talents. It's like with many things in life, uh, leadership is not something that you completely learn, that you have to have a bit of a talent for it. But what we try to do in a business school, in particular in our MBA program, is actually a given opportunity for our students to hone their skills as a leader. Now, then one can ask oneself the question, what is a leader or what makes you a leader? Yes, indeed. You might say a leader is born. Yeah. Um, and as I, I, I think, actually, that whether it's born or whether it's something that you do very early in your development as a child, but it, there is actually something uh, where you see people, they come in your office and they have the charisma and they have the capabilities of being a leader, and others are yeah, more experts or have a different role to play in an organization. Uh, but I've been thinking quite a lot about what is it when I talk about leadership that I really am looking for? And I've come to the conclusion after many years and after reading a lot of papers about it that in the essence, leadership is about being able to create change in an organization. Um, There are many people that are able to manage an organization on a going concern, that are able to administer, and maybe that's the sense of business administration, that are able to administer an organization, keep it pushing it a little bit, keep it going, uh, let it e- evolving. But from time to time, we really need change. And this is a moment. I mean, you just have to look around in the economy. This is a moment we need change. We need to have people that actually can um, see in which direction to go, that actually can uh, convince people to make a drastic uh, change with the past and actually give them the enthusiasm to try to uh, change their organization, change their products, change their relationship with their customers, and in some cases, actually, for some politicians, change the world. But that means you've got to think strategically if you're going to be a leader who implements change. And I know that that in your paper, you talk about the different leadership models, including seductive leadership. Do these leadership models give you strategic thought? Um, I've been reading a lot about leadership, and in a sense... uh, academia or the academic literature doesn't provide a very good concept of what leadership is. Um, I guess that if you would start doing an uh, account of what kind of types of leadership one can find, um, you probably will come up in the double digits of different theories about what leadership is all about. Um, I have been in the army myself and I know that what command and control is and in some cases that is absolutely needed. I've seen in other cases people that are extremely charismatic and uh, you, you, you must have seen these people that get into a room and the whole room feels that there is somebody new coming into the room. The charisma is, is perhaps part of leadership. In other circumstances, I've used the word seductive leadership, people that seduce people, convince people to go in a particular direction. They may not necessarily be the most charismatic people, but they're ones that show where the way, what the way is. 
But you're right. I think in the end, when we come to leadership the way I see it, as, a, as an agent of change, there's no change for the sake of change. It, change is there to, to achieve something, to get somewhere. And so you have to have a very good, good strategic vision to be, go, be a good leader. So is that something you can teach? Because you talk about the, the military concept of leadership that might be based on loyalty, some would say. You've got to lead your troops into battle and they've got to do what you say in, in one command. But, but actually, in terms of charisma, the individual, surely that's something that's innate that can't be taught. They're clearly innate elements. Um, but uh, it always strikes me that it, it's a little bit like with creativity or curiosity. It always strikes me that... Um, you, the, the person has probably a gene pool that determines what kind of leadership or what kind of creativity or what kind of curiosity one can have. But then you can create an organization in which a person can develop their leadership capabilities to, to their limits. Uh, you can actually create an organization in which they will uh, either not play their leadership role or an organization that takes all the, cap- the capabilities that a person have, has. I always say it's sometimes amazing to see people in an organization that don't have any leadership capabilities seemingly and then they go home and they lead sports teams or they are um, leading a theater group or they become very creative and, very, and actually develop leadership in a different environment. Uh, we should get in our organizations the whole person, not only the part that they show in the organization, but also the part that they sometimes leave at home uh, when they come to the job in the morning. And so we should do two things, that is, give our students in our program the capability to hone their skills that they have, their innate skills, to develop those innate skills, like a person who is playing the piano, you can have the talent, but you still have to uh, learn the technical skills of playing the piano. We can help them to hone their skills. And secondly, I give them the message also, when you are in an organization, try to leverage as much as possible the leadership talent that you have in that organization. Try to create the the conditions in which your collaborators can be also, in their small area of responsibility, also a leader. Well, Arnett Demer, you are indeed head of Judge Business School at Cambridge University. Hand on heart, do you think that your business school has given the right leadership models to the CEOs of companies who are having to lead through very difficult times and a global recession? Are those the right leadership models that you've been imparting? We have a particular view on what leadership is all about, and we call it collaborative leadership. Um, Perhaps that's a little bit in the genes of the Cambridge University, because as you know, the university is actually not one single institution, but consists of the university itself, but also the 31 colleges and a lot of other institutions. And there are probably more than 50 independent autonomous uh, organizations that together somehow form what we, from the outside, will call the University of Cambridge. Giving leadership in such a complicated, complex uh, organizational structure requires actually to work with peers, to influence uh, peers, to, the word that I've used a few times uh, in the past, also to seduce people into doing things, to convince them, uh, to influence, as I said already before. Um, And that's the type of leadership that we try to um, share with our students here. Uh, And I believe, actually, that that is a type of leadership that the world will need much more in the future. Uh, I have many reasons why that is, but um, I think to just give four or five. First of all, we see that the world is uh, internationalizing enormously, and 
not in a way where one country is given leadership and the rest is dancing to the tunes of that country, but if you see what's going on in the current economic environment and where you see that, yes, President Obama wants to give leadership to the world, but others are resisting that, you understand very quickly that on an international scale, people work in networks, in networks that of peers, of people that, as I said before, try to influence each other, try to convince each other of their proper ideas. And I think what we see um, in the present times uh, enrolling in, at, at a political level and at the uh, macro level is the same for organizations today. That is, many of our uh, organizations, even small organizations, become very international. But they don't have this pyramidical structure anymore whereby the person at the top tells everybody else in the organization what to do. But you see that these international organizations are often networks of nodes with a strong node maybe here in the UK and one in India and one in China and perhaps in Brazil. And where if you want to make the organization move, where you have these nodes, uh, where you have them to have have them to work together with each other uh, in order to achieve results. Because, indeed, you talked about collaboration, but other words that you use in your paper, influencing and adaptation, and, indeed, what you've just explained, networking being more important than ever before. Isn't networking just a fashionable term? Um, I don't think so. I, um, I, I think networking is actually deeply ingrained in people's behaviour. I think even in medieval times or even earlier, people were networking. And somehow, perhaps when the world became more complex and, 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 and larger uh, in the last decades, we lost a little bit of that network because we didn't have the tools to network with each other. Uh, and it was not possible to network when you were sitting in London with somebody who was sitting in Calcutta because you didn't have the tools to network with each other. And then you got into probably kind of c command and control structure whereby orders would, would be flowing in all kinds of directions. Today we have again the tools. Information and communication technology has changed over the last 10 years the world enormously. We can actually interact and get actually quite close with people somewhere else in the world. Sometimes we don't even know where they are, but if you see how uh, young people are, and not so young people, are interacting on Facebook or on MSN, how uh, they are uh, constantly emailing each other, w with each other, you understand that these social networks that are existing with young people that we can do actually something very similar at the level of organizations and create internal networks in organizations that are uh, rooted and, and supported by rooted in and supported by um, uh, the information communication technology systems that we have in place. And, and do you think what some have described as a new technological revolution equivalent to Caxton and when the printing presses were developed will change these leadership? and corporate models and how they're governed. You've talked about nodes and, and things being more informal than before. Yeah, definitely, because we should always realize that our current corporate model is not that old. Uh, it was probably uh, designed in the 20s for General Motors. Uh, and it was when General Motors was formed out of a number of uh, independent automobile companies in uh, when, the, when the automobile... Or, uh, companies went through another crisis. Um, when General Motors was formed, that actually Al Alfred P. Sloan discovered this um, divisionalized uh, organization whereby people would have very clearly defined responsibilities and accountabilities and very clear reporting structures. Um, 
the corporate structure as we know it today was developed as a response to a particular need in the 20s and the 30s of the 20th century uh, and without the capabilities that we have today. I'm convinced that the um, revolution we, sh we see in information and communication technology, the, uh, the bandwidth that is available to communicate with each other, the richness of the communication. We can do video conferencing with each other in a very easy and cheap way. I'm convinced that that is going to change completely the way we organize our orga corporations. And not only our corporations, probably the way governments are organized and the way uh, non-profit uh, organizations will be organized. Well, you've talked us through uh, quite powerfully the judge business school model of leadership and the necessity for collaboration, influencing, adaptation and, and networks. But you rather strangely end your, your paper, Arnold, by talking about something called the logic of luck. Oh, uh, that's because um, I always tell my students that uh, Napoleon, which, who is known in this country probably as a French dictator, but in France, where I lived before, uh, was probably more known as an important emperor who changed uh, a lot of things and who has more of a positive view uh, or a positive image uh, than here, uh, or in my own country, in Belgium, for that matter. Um, but he's quoted to have been said, uh, saying, um, how you, when he was asked how you choose your generals, he uh, is quoted to have said, uh, or is supposed to have said uh, that he uh, choose the general that has consistently more luck than the other ones. Now, I use this often uh, to remind my students that in the world of business there are unknown unknowns, thing that happen, things that happen and that you never had thought they could happen. Uh, there is this uh, surprise factor. Why did this happen? Where does this particular influence come from? Why do we uh, run into this problem? And you cannot predict everything. You cannot plan for everything. You cannot ask yourself when you start developing a new strategy. You cannot ask yourself all the questions that you need to ask yourself. Uh, you have, sometimes have to move on and say, we'll see how we react when we get into trouble or when we uh, encounter a problem. And that's where luck, quote-unquote, luck plays a role. That is, the ability to see this perhaps a little bit earlier than others and being able to uh, fall back on one's experience uh, to react to these moments of uncertainty, uh, these moments of surprise. And that's maybe what I say uh, uh, when I say we also have to count on our luck. Luck is being able or is being prepared for the unpredictable. And once you're confronted with the unpredictable, having the flair to react to it and to uh, make the best out of a situation. Well, perhaps using your military analogy, having a brave heart. Yes, that's right. That's an, uh, a good way of saying it. Arnaud de Meer, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much and I wish you good luck.